Hey everyone, my name is Brett. I'm the lead pastor at Engage, and I'm just honored that you're listening to this podcast right now. Thanks for taking some time to listen. Uh, This is an unintended uh, second part to uh, a message I did called Sights and Sounds, which you can listen to online uh, right here. And uh, this is part number two. And if you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you're trapped or you feel like you you just want to escape, then this is maybe a great starting point for you. So dive into this. This is going to be a key to helping you moving forward. I believe that God's got something incredible for you. Let's go. Psalm 55, starting at verse one. Matt is race to finish. Uh, I'm just going to go. Psalm 55, verse 1. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Thank God. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. Verse 4, chapter 55, the book of Psalms. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Verse 8, how quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. That is an exciting portion of scripture right there. That is enemies on ever every side. The feeling of death, the feeling of the walls caving in all around. That's the feeling of being trapped. And it's a feeling like you have no escape and you have no answer. Now, normally when we read something like this, we might think that it's a bad guy. It's a bad character in a Bible. It shouldn't, that shouldn't happen to nice people. Nice people don't have those feelings and those emotions. Nice people don't feel trapped. Nice people don't feel like the walls are closing in. And most importantly, wise people. Uh, nice people don't feel like they need wings to just fly away out of their situation, right? Well, these are the words written by David, the shepherd, David, now the king, David. The Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. You cannot be described as a man after God's own heart if you are not close to the heart of God, if you do not understand what he is, what he's all about, what he's like, if you have not uh, begin to uh, put on his attributes. And so this guy, David, is as close as you could be to God, a God, man after his own heart. And yet he is writing these words, feeling like he's trapped. He's surrounded by his enemies, like he's stuck, like the walls are closing in. He feels like death is just around the corner. He feels like he needs to grow some wings and fly away. Has anyone ever felt like you need to grow some wings and fly away? Anyone? Okay, so nobody's willing to admit it. We're all just willing to lie. That's great. Lying in church is wonderful. Has anyone ever felt like you needed to grow some wings and fly away? You're like, I need to get out of this situation right now. Can I tell you that you might think that the answer to you getting out of your situation or you getting out of your slump or you getting out of your problem is a higher position. But can I tell you when these words were written, it was written by a king. There is no higher position on the earth than a king. It's not your placement. It's not your spot. It's not your where you are or the stage of life that you feel this way. If you feel trapped, if you feel wrapped up, if you feel stuck, if you feel a promotion is not going to get you out of it. A raise is not going to move you forward. None of those things and the change in your natural circumstance is going to help you from feeling trapped. That's not how this 
works. The good news is, though, is that we're all in this together, that we all have the same problem. The same problem is this. We go through the ups and we go through the downs of life. When we're up on the highs, we feel like we're unstoppable. When there's momentum in our life, we feel like you can't stop me. But when we're in the lows, we're in the bottom, when we feel like we've lost the momentum of life, then we feel like we're trapped. And all we want to do is grow some wings and fly up to the highest height. But can I tell you that there is no peak if there is no valley. You do not know how good it is. You do not know the sweetness of the highest high if you do not know what it feels like to be in the valley. So what we're talking about today is that feeling when you're in the midst of the bottom, when you're in the midst of being trapped. Last week, we talked about three letters, D-I-S. Turn to somebody and say, dis. That was really bad. So turn to somebody else and say, dis. It's a prefix, and it goes before a whole bunch of other words. This prefix means to separate or to reroute you or to pull you apart from. I want to start, uh, I'm all over the place today, but John 15, verse 16, by way of review from last, last week. This is the words of Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to his disciples, and I believe today he's speaking this over you today. You did not choose me. But I choose you, I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What you need to understand today, or what I hope I can convey uh, to you today, is that you were chosen by God. In the beginning of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, he has this encounter with God, and God says, listen, I'm appointing you to be a prophet for the nations. This is your appointment. I'm placing you into this position, but before uh, you knew me, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb, and because I knit you together, because I handcrafted you, because I made you, I have the ability to appoint you. Can I tell you that God has appointed you in this season of your life? He chose you. He handcrafted you. He made you. He has a purpose. He has a destiny. He has a direction for you. It may feel like you're stuck and it may even feel like you have no sense of direction. You've kind of, you got no radar. You have no compass. Can I tell you today that Jesus is your compass, but most of all, you need to understand that he chose you, he picked you, and he appointed you. Esther came to understand her destiny in a phrase her uncle Mordecai said this, for you have been called for such a time as this. I want to dig into this idea further. The idea is simply this. Don't let your dis take you from this. Don't let your dis distract you from this. This is your appointment. This is your calling. This is your direction. This is your moment. This is the time that Jesus is propelling you forward and moving you out of your path into the future. This is the very moment where Jesus wants to speak into your hearts and minds and reminds you that he is calling you forward. Sound good, anybody? Sound good? Let's go to John chapter 10. We're going to start right at the very beginning. John chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock and he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he just explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. 
And all who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. That's my purpose. That's the purpose of Jesus is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. So that's, a, that's, a, that's 10 verses. That's, that's a big chunk of scripture. But Jesus is, is painting a picture, trying to paint his a picture of how he relates to us. He starts out by saying, I'm the shepherd, meaning we are the sheep. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to be a sheep and some of the natural limitations of being a sheep. But here in this portion of scripture, he, he, he's saying, listen, you're the sheep. I'm the shepherd. You can get to know me at a level that when I speak and when I give you direction that you don't hesitate to move because you're comfortable with my voice. It is possible for you to, to develop a relationship with Jesus to the point and to the level that when he speaks to you, you know it and you can respond. And when other ideas or thoughts or plans or schemes come about, you go, hold on, that is not the voice of Jesus. I think sometimes uh, we struggle with this idea of, is this God or is this my idea? Has anyone else had that thought before? Like, is this God or is this my idea? And we, we, we struggle and we're like, man, how do we even come to terms with hearing the voice of Jesus? How do we even come to terms with hearing the voice of God? How do we, how do we get better at that? First thing, is this. You have to know that Jesus' ultimate goal is to give you a rich and a satisfying life, a rich and abundant life. When he speaks to you and when he guides you, he is moving you down that path in that direction. The second thing is, Jesus will never ever contradict what his word says to get you to a rich and abundantly satisfying life. So if you if he speaks to you, or you feel something is speaking to you, and you're like, I don't know if this is Jesus, the first question is, does this line up with what God has to say? Because even if it sounds like it's going to lead you to fulfillment, it's going to lead you to promotion, it's going to lead you to promise, it's going to lead you to a rich and a fulfilling life, if it is not, or if it is uh, contrary to the word of God, then that is what scripture defines right here as a thief and a robber. Oftentimes we assign uh, this role or this position as the thief or the robber in scripture to Satan. But more accurately, when we begin to study this out, we understand that what Jesus was actually talking about, this is a continuation of coming straight out of John chapter 9, where he is rebuking the, uh, the religious leaders of the day for mishandling one of his sheep. And he's talking about religious leaders or thought leaders of the day whose main purpose is to put themselves into a rich and satisfying life. And he does that off the backs of other people. So if something is speaking to you or if you feel drawn to a new direction, to a new purpose, to a new vision, to a new phase in your life, and if it in any way contradicts the word of God, then I can just tell you right now that wasn't Jesus. It was something else. It was a thief and a robber, and ultimately, you will end up feeling the pain for that thing. And I need to remind you of this. Jesus, Jesus wants to lead you forward and wants to lead you into new ground to take new territory. He wants to lead you into that rich and abundant 
life is satisfying life, a life of wholeness and healing and contentment and purpose because he didn't just choose you and appoint you for the, cho- for, the, for the purpose of choosing and appointing you. He chose you and he appointed you that you would have fruit and fruit that lasts, meaning that your life, your life would produce something, that your life would have a purpose and would have a meaning, would, would bring life to others. He, Jesus, when he chose you and he appointed you, he didn't just choose you to appoint you for a cho- short season. He didn't just choose you or appoint you for a few years. He chose you and he appointed you for your whole life, which means he's got a plan and a purpose for every season of your life, for every moment that you're living, whether uh, you, you're starting a brand new family, whether you're, you're single and you're just trying to plot out where you're going to go for your career path, whether, uh, whether you just got married or whether you're, you're on the edge of retirement, God has a plan and a purpose for you in each and every season. But Jesus says, listen, you, you can learn to hear my voice and know my voice. You already know what his voice sounds like because you've already been led by him. The trouble for most of us is we have a hard time trusting him when it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Anyone ever felt that way? You're like, God, you're leading me forward, but I just feel like this is a moment of discomfort. And if this is discomfort, this just can't be from you. Wrong. Like, are are you telling me that God purposely leads me into pain? No. What I'm telling you is that God purposely leads you forward. And he protected you, or he said in his word in Psalm 23, the most famous Psalm of all time, referencing Jesus as the good shepherd. He says, I will lead you in my rod and my staff will be there to comfort you and to guide you, to lead and protect you through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes for you to get to your next season, to get to your next destination, to get to your next appointment, there comes times when you have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it is not death. It doesn't, it's not death. It's not going to end you, but it's going to feel like it. So you're telling me that Jesus is going to lead me into a place where I feel like death. Yeah, it feels rough. It feels tough, but we take comfort in knowing that his rod and his staff are there to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, because where we are going is so much greater than where we are right now. Don't define your life by where you are right now. Define your life by the purpose that God has placed in you. So David is writing these words in Psalm 55. He's like, God, I need to get out. I need to get wings. I need to get away. Enemies are going to crush down in on me. He feels trapped. There's nobody who's closer than David. So what does he do in Psalm 55, verse 16? He says, but I, I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night. I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me, and he keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. It is, it's not only possible, it is likely that when you move forward with Jesus, and when you step forward into what he has for you, that there is going to be opposition, and there's going to be times where it feels like People are against you. I hate to break it to you, but it's the truth. That's why he says, listen, I'm the good shepherd. He said, when I call you forward, you'll hear my voice. You can learn to hear my voice so that you don't go off another way. But there's a thief and a robber. There's these ideas, philosophies. There's other spiritual leaders and gurus and teachers who would have you 
pursue a different path than Jesus says, no, 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 they're out for themselves. There's only me who's out to protect you. Jesus says, not only am I the shepherd, not only are you the sheep, but I am the gate. We're like, wait, Jesus, this analogy is falling apart. How are you the shepherd and the gate? You can't be the door and the person that opens the door. How does that work? It works because at this time, a good shepherd would lay in front of his pen and he would become the human man gate so no wolf or other creature could come against his sheep. He would literally lay his life down for his sheep every night. Jesus is the gate. He lays his life down for you. He did it 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross and he took away our sin, our shame, our condemnation, and our pain. He laid down his life for us then and he does it for us now. He says, listen, let me be the filter on your life. Why don't you run things through me? Uh, Proverbs 13 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Oftentimes we think that when something doesn't happen that, that it's the end of us and we end up in this kind of pain. But this, uh, this first line, it really talks about what it means to live in the dis. And this is what I mean by this. See what I did there? Fine. It's just me. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> so if you've been appointed and you've been chosen by God, he says, listen, this is your appointment. When you live a moment where hope deferred makes the heart sick, then you begin to get disappointed. When you're disappointed, it means that you've been pulled away from or pulled apart from and distanced from your appointment. It means the longer that you live uh, in disappointment, the further and further away you get from God's plan and purpose from your life. Because he says, listen, I chose you and I appointed you in this moment. So if you're living in disappointment, you're living separated from your appointment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That word deferred in Hebrew is my shack. And one of the definitions is scattered. A hope scattered makes the heart sick. A hope scattered makes the heart sick. You see, it's, it's not because we put all of our hopes and dreams in one thing that our heart is broken. It's because we put all of our hopes and dreams in a whole bunch of different things that aren't named Jesus that our heart is broken. When we begin to double down and we begin to protect ourselves and diversify our investment, that is where we begin to find pain and pain that, that begins to trap us and define us. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, let's say we have a choice and we say today, my choice, I'm going to put all of my hopes and my dreams, I'm going to put it in Jesus. That's a safe investment. But what but, but the natural world tells us is that, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to have an all-in kind of portfolio. If you can invest, you know, the money of your life, you need to put a little bit over here and move into this market, maybe into a, a foreign currency over here. Maybe you're going to get into Bitcoin. You know, if Johnny's here, he kind of rope you into doing some kind of cryptocurrency. Maybe you're going to diversify over here. You know, I just, uh, I just joined this thing, Well Simple, this like, you know, because it's the nice branding and I'm got roped in and it's online investments. And so it just like, they're like, here's your diversified portfolio. I'm like, oh, that feels safe. It feels safe when I can put a little bit over here and a little bit over here because I know that something's going to pay off in the end. I'm safe. I'm protected. But when we live our life, it works the exact opposite. When we live our life, we don't diversify our investment in our career. We don't diversify our hope into our job. We don't, oh, that's the same thing. We don't diversify our uh, our life into our, our marriage. We don't put it in any one of those categories. All 
of our hope goes in one place. It goes into one place called Jesus. When my hope is scattered and it's spread out around because I'm trying to protect myself, I find myself living in waves and waves of disappointment because nothing brings me contentment like the person of Jesus. So my hope scattered makes my heart sick. Because I put more faith in my career path, I put more faith in my promotion, I put more faith in the way that that new car makes me feel than I have in Jesus at any given moment. I put him in his little box at his little time and we check it off on a Sunday morning and then when we go to small group and it feels good. And Jesus says, could I just, could I have a little more? I gave everything for you. I am the good shepherd. He says, listen, I'm not just the shepherd. I'm not just the one who leads you to peaceful streams and wonderful pastures. I'm also the gate. He said, if you didn't realize it, I'm also the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the total package. I... I was at the gym this week with my friend Craig, and he is uh, basically a bodybuilder. And so every time I go with him, I feel uh, uh, like less of a man, but that's okay. We're getting stronger. But the thing I love about working out with Craig is that, so we were doing chess, and I, you know, is that he's my spotter, right? So you got a guy standing over you who's clearly way stronger than you. <laughs> And it causes you to do something a little bit different psychologically. If I was going to lay down on that bench and I was going to start lifting weights, I, was gonna, I would do, if it was me, I would do something I'm comfortable with. Something that I know, you know, I can do, no problem. Something, you know, that is, is in my routine. I would do something in my comfort zone. That's just my personality. I would just do that same thing over and over again. Then I'd be mad that I don't get any different results. But because I'm with somebody who's clearly stronger than me, who can keep me safe from myself, I push a little harder. I go a little deeper. I lift more weights than I normally would because I know that he's there to spot me and he's there to help me out if I get into trouble. He's there to push me further and beyond myself. You see, Jesus is not only the gate, he's not only the good shepherd, he's not only the way, the truth, and the life, but he's also the spotter for your life. The reason why it feels like you're playing it safe is because you have been playing it safe. But think about this for a moment. You can begin to take steps of faith that you never even thought possible when you come to the place of understanding that Jesus Christ has got you, bro. He's standing over you, and when you start to push, like, I can't do this. I can't do this in this next season. He says, no, no, no. I called you. I purposed you. I chose you. I appointed you, and now I'm spotting you because the scripture also says the foot of the righteous will not fall. Though they may slip, they will not fall, Psalm 37. He says, follow the Lord. The steps of the righteous are order of the Lord. If your foot slips, you will not fall. Jesus is there to spot you, to lead you, and guide you. So maybe you've been in the midst of a comfort zone, in the midst of a routine, doing the same thing over and over again, and you're starting to feel this discontentment in your heart, or maybe you're starting to feel trapped, like the walls are closing in, and your first instinct is, I gotta fly out of here. I gotta get out of here. Maybe it's possible that you're not supposed to fly out of here. You're supposed to turn and put your cares and your burdens on the Lord. This is Psalm 55, 22. Give your burdens to the Lord. He will take care of you. Listen to this. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Maybe it's possible that playing it safe is the very thing that led you to this moment, to this place, to this time where you feel trapped and you feel stuck. I wonder if it's possible that God's been trying to call you forward, call you out, but it looks a little rocky up front and you're like, "Mm, no, 
And Jesus is like, just trust me. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I mean, we could echo the words. It sounds just the way David wrote it in Psalm 55. For my heart pounds in my chest. Jesus, this terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Oh, it may look rocky, but you're being led by the good shepherd. You know, when the Israelites were about to cross into the promised land, they had to cross another river. You thought that just happened once. It happened twice. And they sent the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the Holy Spirit, in front of the people of Israel. So the the Holy Spirit, the Ark of the Covenant, went in front of them. And when the Spirit of God moved into the river, it started to dry up in part. And God said, don't just let it lead everybody. I want it to stop in the middle of the river. So the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, stopped in the middle of the river, and the people of Israel crossed into the promised land. And then God says, leave that there until every single person has gone across. And then the Spirit of God followed the people into the promised land. Jesus goes before you. He's right there with you in the midst of it, in the thick of it, in the battle. He's not left you. He's standing right there with you. And when you go to move forward, he's right there behind you because he's got your back. He's got your six and he's gonna give you cover as you move forward. You might feel like you're alone, but just don't forget that Jesus surrounds you. His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It's not lost on me that the very same person who penned these words, God, give me some wings to get out of here because my enemies are pressing in on me, also wrote these words in Psalm 23, verse 5. Lord, you prepared a table for me in the midst of my enemies. How does the guy who was afraid and terrified of his enemies now come to a place of peace and contentment with Jesus where he says, God, sure, you prepare a table for me in the place of my enemies. That's great. I feel great. I feel fine. I'm going to eat in front of all these people because I know I'm not defined by them. They don't scare me. They can't get me because I'm with you. And if you invited me to this table, then I know I'm all right. I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to find contentment. I'm going to find wholeness. I'm going to find healing. I'm not defined by my enemies. Listen, you might feel like you're in a season where all the, like everything is stacked up against you and you're like, where is God in the midst of this? I can tell you where he is. He's calling you forward. He's walking with you right in the midst of it and he's walking behind you to let you know that no one's gonna come up behind you to take you out. Where is God in the midst of this? Where is God in the midst of this? Can I ask you a question? Instead of asking where is God in the midst of this, Have you ever asked him to be present in the midst of this? Have you ever invited him into the situation? Or did you spend more time trying to figure it out than you did in trusting in Jesus to lead you through? Have you ever opened up yourself and say, God, I don't know the way out. I don't know the direction. But Jesus, you do. You do. You do. leave you with this. For the first 300 years of Christianity, every Christian on the earth was known as a follower of the way. That's how they were known, a follower of the way. I love that. I love that phrase. They were follower of the way. In other words, they were a follower of Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. But sometime after 300 years had passed, after Jesus had been gone 300 years, the face of Christianity began to change those who were known as the followers of the way simply began to be known as 
believers. And I think that that diagnosis has continued up until today. I see there's many of us who live our life as believers, but I think it's a, it's a downgrade. We got downgraded when we got changed from followers of the way to believers. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I believe in all these things. It's, it's one thing. James, The book of James says, you know, even the demons believe in Jesus. Even de- the demons believe there is a God. It's one thing to be a believer. It's a whole nother thing to be a follower of the way. To simply follow Jesus one step at a time, up the mountain, down the mountain, around the mountain, walking into your purpose, walking into your future, walking into the very thing that you've been created to do. It's one thing to be a believer and just stay static. It's a whole nother thing to become a follower of the way. And I don't know about you, but I would like my life to be defined as someone who is a follower of the way. All I do is follow Jesus. If he says, go this way, that's where I'm going to go. If he says, go this way, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to follow him one step at a time. And though I may slip, I will not fall. His righteous hand upholds me. You may feel like right now you're just stuck and you have no way forward. The first step is to put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus. And that applies for believers and non-believers alike. There's a lot of us who believe in the idea of Jesus, but have diversified our hope, our faith, and our trust. Put your faith in Jesus, the good shepherd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I know God's got a great plan and a purpose for you, and I know that it's not a mistake that you were listening to this message today. So if you want to reach out, if you need somebody to talk to, feel free to send us an email, hello at engagechurch.ca. Uh, if you want to learn more about our church, you want to come check us out live and in person uh, for the real deal, then get all the information online at engagechurch.ca. I'm Brett. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're running or you're at the gym right now, you got this. Go get it. 